Well, I don't know what happened to everybody. They all left back. They must have known I was preaching. <laughs> no, they, they heard me the first time. And then they left. <sighs> the word became flesh. And it dwelt among men. This is where I left off um, the last time I spoke with you guys outside. Um, the word of God... The truth, the Bible, has been around from the very beginning. In the beginning, it was God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the Word. And they together had a dance. And this dance multiplied. And out of it, a great abundance of love and joy. And out of this truth, all creation was created. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys. It, it has been good three, four months. I'm getting to know each and every one of you. Um, I've really gotten to see the love um, that you share toward one another, um, how much you care for each other in this ministry. Um, but I also know that the past couple months have been very hard, very difficult. You've had to think about things that uh, you normally don't. You have had to think, what do I believe? Is the Bible real? Is it not? What do we do? You've had probably some very hard conversations with each other, but you've done it because you, you have hearts of love. Because you have hearts of love. I believe God is reviving his bride. That's what's going on. We can, get, we can get confused with what's going on here in the natural, but what God is doing spiritually is raising his bride, the church, back to life. And that's why you have to think about these things. It's a good thing. Well, I'm a slave to Christ, just like Paul said. I have been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have been called as an evangelist to uphold the word of God in entirety. I believe the word of God to be the infallible truth that there is no error whatsoever in the gospels, in the word. None. None whatsoever. I have been in many conversations that I didn't want to be in. But I am a slave to Christ. When you ask me a question, I don't give you my interpretation. I give you the word of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave to Christ. And as a pastor, um, I have been listening to you. I've been watching for the past three months, four months. I have seen how you interact with each other. I've seen all of the fun greetings and all of the good things that um, have transpired, but uh, to be honest, there are some things that we need to discuss. And today I want to discuss theology. The theology of what we believe as Methodists. What is it? As Christians, what do we believe? And how do we work it out? A church begins with a strong leader. In our church, there was need, and John Wesley stepped up in the 1700s, 
And he had something that no one else had. He had something that drew people to him. His ministry, his theology was on holiness. And he believed that your relationship, when you accept Christ, that you will be better down the road. You will be better. There will be a progression. And there are many things we can do to become more like Christ. Sanctification. So then people followed him. They saw, whoa, John Wesley, he's got something going on. And they joined him. And here we are. Today, as I speak, I want you to really ask some some questions. Are you all in with Christ? Are you all in? Do you believe the word of God to be true? Do you believe that? Would you stand up for Jesus even if everyone was against you? Now think about your family. Think about your friends and your children. If they came against you, what would you do? Would you stand or would you water it down? Would you pick and choose? Before we go any further, would you pray with me? Father, I pray... um, I pray that you are here right now. I lower myself before you. I'm asking that it be you, Jesus. I need it to be you right here behind this stand, this pulpit. I need you to be my words. Nobody here wants to hear me. They want to hear you, Jesus, please. Holy Spirit, come full, come strong. Hover and fall upon each person in this room. I pray for an opening of their ears that we may receive your word. Open our eyes, but we invite you. We invite you to come. Amen. One of the main things that I have been seeing um, as I've been watching and praying And as I was beginning to write this today, this is what the Lord um, gave me. Today we are struggling in this ministry and many, many ministries um, with the infallible word of God. What do we believe about it? Can we pick and choose? Or is it outdated? I have had many people come to me, um, not, not just here, but in my whole ministry, And I've heard all kinds of things from professed believers of Christ. Um, One told me that the, they said, Brandon, if, if the word of God, if the Bible doesn't change, then Methodism is gonna die. That's what they told me. Um, I've been called all kinds of things, narrow-minded, I've been called all these things. But remember, I'm a slave for Christ, so I must endure. So today, we're going to talk about the infallible Word of God. And we're going to talk about how it does not change. And so what I've done, I thought, what better way to talk to you all is by going into the Scriptures. So what I have done is I have pulled out all of the Scriptures, a lot of them, there's a lot of Scriptures, and I'm going to just go one by one by one by one, and we're going to talk about it. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Knowing this first of all, 
that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were called along by the Holy Spirit. Right there, Peter talks about how there is nothing in here that man created. He said, there is no interpretation that you can pull out of here that, that has man in it. It is all breathed by the breath of God. Remember that, that beginning dance of abundance? The word before time, before all the eras? Yes, that word came and gave us this. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is a huge reason, my friends, my brothers and sisters, this is a huge reason why people want to stray from the word of God. Because when you look into a mirror and you have something telling you the error that's going on, the things that you need to work on, you might be doing all of these things great, but that one thing, that's the word of God. It cuts between bone. It cuts between marrow. It cuts straight to your soul. It cuts out all of culture, all of the confusion. It cuts straight to who you are in Jesus Christ. And then it says, okay, we need to work on this. We need to work on that. The word of God is used so that we can become who we are in Christ. The plan that God created us for. That is the word here in Hebrews. But I didn't just stay with the New Testament. I went all over. Um, so I went to Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth a bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Here we go. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There is no point when it comes to the word of God um, to pick or choose. There's no point. Why? Because the creator, the God who speaks, when he speaks a thing, when he spoke the word, it returns to him in full. So no matter how much we try to pervert, no matter how much we want to say certain things aren't in there, or no matter how we want to live our lives, whether we want to have sex all of the time before marriage, whether we want to view all kinds of things on the internet, no matter what, his word is calling into each and every one of you, and it's coming back to him, 
and it's going to come back in full. So there is no point. There is no point in fighting Scripture because he will win. John 5, 39. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. He says, you think it's the Word that saves you? No, he says, I am the Word. I save you. That explains why we have a lot of theologians um, that don't know Christ. Because you can know the Word. We have all heard the enemy, the devil, knows the Word. He just doesn't follow it. It's Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter 1.23 Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's a reflection of Christ. The word of God lives and it breathes forever. The word was in the beginning, and it was with the Savior, and it was with the Father. The word and the Holy Spirit, all of them, all of them were three. The three in one. They danced, they lived. It lives, it will never die. No matter how much you fight, no matter how loud you get, the word of God stands, especially in the silence. Mark, um, 1 Peter 24, um, 25. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of God endures forever. This is a really good one. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Now, have you ever been in a situation, probably recently, where somebody comes to you and asks, what do you believe? And they don't agree with you. What do you do? Well, what I do is I give them the word. And when I say a scripture in love and in kindness, what that does is it actually protects me. You see, I'm not held accountable. He is. So the word of God that's everlasting becomes a shield to the believer. It covers your soul. It covers your heart. This is why the word of God is so important. Not only is it Jesus, not only does it live forever, but it shields you. Now, not all of it. There are going to be some things. Jesus talks about persecution. He talks about things that will come your way when you follow the word of God. But it will protect you. It will protect your heart. Now, if that isn't enough in the scriptures to convince you that the Holy Spirit was very present, that the word of God is true and that it is inerrant, that there's no error in it. If that isn't enough, what I've done is I've pulled back to our, our founding father, um, John Wesley. So here are some words from John Wesley. And I'm very curious as Methodists if you guys have heard these before. Because they speak directly to what we believe as Christians in this discipline, in this Place in this practice. Let's get going. Uh, I love these. The first one is from his journal. 
It's from June 5, 1766. Now, as I speak these, I, don't look at me. Think, you can look at me, but think about, think about John Wesley. I want you to think about him speaking these hundreds of years ago before the Methodist movement began. Think he was saying these things. June 5, 1766, my ground is the Bible. Yea, I am a Bible bigot. I follow it in all things, both great and small. This is from another journal entry, uh, July 24, 1776. I read Mr. Jennings' admired track on the internal evidence of the Christian religion. He is undoubtedly a fine writer, but whether he is a Christian, he betrays his own cause by suggesting that all scripture is not given by the inspiration of God, but the writers of it were sometimes left to themselves and consequently made some mistakes. Nay, which means no, no, if there be any mistakes in the Bible. This is John Wesley. This is who began our movement. If there are any mistakes in the Bible, there may as well be a thousand. If there be one falsehood in that book, if there may be one scripture that's out of place, if there may be one thing in Romans or one thing in Corinthians that's not there, this is what he says. That book did not come from God. Here's, here's the last thing that I want to pull out. This is from one of his sermons. Um, it's 116. Uh, the causes of an ethicity of, yeah, that's a word that I just tried to blow over, an ethicity of Christianity. I am distressed. I know not what to do. I see what I might have done once. I might have said promptly um, and expressly, here I am. I in my Bible. Here we go. I will not. I dare not vary from this book, either in great things or in small. I have no power to dispense with one jot or tittle what is contained therein. I am determined to be a Bible Christian. Are you determined to be a Bible Christian? Here's what he says. Not almost, but altogether a Bible Christian. Who will meet me on this ground? Who will join me? I want to read that. I want to read that last half again. I dare not vary from this book, either in great things or in small. I have no power to dispense of one jot or tittle what is contained therein. I am determined to be a Bible Christian, not almost, but altogether. Who will join me in this? That's John Wesley asking you. Who will join me in this? Who will believe that the word of God never fails you, that it never lies to you? Join me in this, he says, or don't join me at all. That's John Wesley. That's why his, this movement that God did through him is still existing. We're in decline now. We're struggling. Why? Because we're struggling with this main issue that we're talking today. 
How do you see the word of God? This is John Wesley. I want to talk to you, do you all know Billy Graham? Billy Graham is a Baptist. <laughs> and um, he's one of my favorite mentors. Um, one, one of the most faithful, most genuine evangelists of all time. And you know what he did? And this is where I'm going to have to demonstrate. He was walking, and he was troubled. You see, he was in college in Florida, and he, he came to the realization through all of the theologians that, you know, there's so many contradictions. There's so many things that he didn't understand in the Word of God. And Billy Graham was very troubled. He was like, what do I do? What do I do? So you know what he did? One night, it was a cool night, he describes it very clearly, he remembers it, he was walking along, and he saw a stump, and so he laid out his Bible, and he knelt, he knelt before it, and he reached up and he said to his father, he said, Father, I don't understand everything that's in that book, I, I can't even explain it. But he said, from this moment on, I choose to believe the word of God to be an error, to be infallible. I choose from today forward that I'm going to believe it on faith. And so that is when Billy Graham became Billy Graham. And he reached thousands, millions of people. Why? Was there something special about him? No. God loves you just as much as he loves Billy Graham. But the thing is, is that Billy Graham followed. He had a calling, and he followed the word of God. He did not depart. And God blessed that ministry tremendously, just like he blessed John Wesley's ministry, because he followed the word of God. I want to close on um, one last scripture. It's the very last scripture in the Bible. So that means it's important. <laughs> Does anybody know the last scripture in the Bible? It's funny because we know, we know the first in the beginning. But here's what it says. Revelation twenty-two eighteen. 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of prophecy from this book. If anyone adds to these things... God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away anything from this book, it goes on to say that it will take away the blessings that God has given you. It, and I, then I pulled out John Wesley's commentary. And have you read John Wesley? says tremendous, tremendous things. John Wesley Really, you, I want you to go online, if you can, Google John Wesley's commentary, and look up this verse and read it. Um, tremendous. Brothers and sisters, if this isn't enough to convince you, if the scriptures, the holy word of God, isn't enough to convince you that even though we don't understand anything, this is infallible, if, if the person that led this church, who founded it in 1700s, 
if that wasn't enough to hear his words of John Wesley, if it wasn't enough to hear Billy Graham, then I would suggest to you that it is a heart issue. If there's something inside of you saying, no, this can't be, then I suggest that it might be pride. And I would ask you to go before God. Ask him, oh, he loves you. And I say these things not to be like, ah, up here. It's because I love you. Many of you have friends. Many of you have children. Many of you have families. And isn't it the hardest thing to see people that you love go down a path that you know will lead to destruction? And you can't do anything. You, you watch them. You can tell them, but it's up to them. You all have a free will. You all have a decision to make. Coming up is a decision. And I just stand up here to say that God is for you. God is a God of love. Know that first. And he loves you so much to tell you how to live. And if we veer, if you veer from these, it will lead you into a dark, dangerous path of death and destruction. This is the truth. It will not lead you wrong. It's okay if you don't understand everything. That's okay. I don't understand everything. The more you understand, the less you feel like you understand. But God will not lead you wrong. He won't. He won't lead you wrong. And why does this matter? Because Jesus loves us. How much did he love you? How much did he love you? He spread out his arms. And he died for you. So I ask you, will you be a slave to Christ? You are no longer yours. You are his. He bought you with his blood. He bought you. What you deserved, what I deserved, what we deserved before him was death. But he came down in love. And he said, I love my people and I'll do anything for them. And he hung on that cross. And he hung on that cross just for you. When he, when he was up on that cross, imagine Jesus up there. And when he was looking down, blood running out of sight, he thought of you. He thought of you. And he would have done it just for you. God has given you the opportunity. Coming up, there's a vote. And you have free will. God will, God will allow you to choose. He doesn't want robots. But I just encourage you, stick with Methodism. Stick with the word of God. Don't ever veer from it. Don't ever veer from it. Go to him. Go to him. Let's pray real quick before we go to our song. God, I just thank you for everyone here. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for for their courage, for their desire for you and to serve you. It's a mess what's going on. But we thank you um, for the opportunity to, to choose you. We thank you for that. Amen.
Uh, please remain seated for our closing hymn. Um, you've done